Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder, we have our Famous Investigator t-shirt available. You can get it over at famous.greatdetectives.net. If you're in the United States, order by November the 29th to get it by Christmas. Also, if you're not subscribed to the podcast and want to be sure to never miss an episode, please be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast software, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, Good Pods, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash OTR Detectives. Now it's time for this week's episode of I Hate Crime. This is episode 54 with an original radio broadcast date of 1950. I hate crime. One of the nicest spots in town is the corner of Martin Place and George Street, right at the GPO. It's where most of Sydney's dames go by. On the morning I'm telling you about, I was standing there watching the procession. And I was having a wonderful time. Comparing one with the other. When something right out of a satin-lined box walked up to me. Mr. Kent! Yeah? How did you know my name? Never mind about that. I've heard you're a gentleman. Oh, you haven't met some of the people I know. Please, I'm in trouble. Pretend you're an old friend. Smile. Sure. Uh, somebody tailing you? I mean, somebody following? Yes, I mean. Okay. Say, did you ever hear the one about the Armenian, the uh, Scotchman, and the Yank? Yes, it's really very funny, isn't it? Well, how do you like that? I don't even crack the gag and she laughs. <laughs> they come around sometime when I'm in really good form. Is he still around? Yes. Where? Don't look. <laughs> yes, it's really very funny. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You want to get out of here? I'd appreciate it. Okay, let's take a cab. So, we took a cab. And I never did get a look at the guy following Moira. Yep, that was her name, Moira. Moira was all in blue. Blue hat, blue suit, blue eyes. I wasn't surprised that a guy was following her. One look at that silhouette and any guy who was healthy would like to form a one-man occupation army. I told the cab driver to go to Bondi, just in case anybody heard me give the directions. Then I made him detour back to town and stop at the lower end of George Street near a certain little coffee shop. Thank you very much, Mr. Kent. Don't mention it. Uh, how about a cup of something, huh? No, thank you. Oh, but we've only begun to get acquainted. I'm sorry, I must go. But wherever it is you're going, won't you let me take you? You've done enough already. Well, I'm... I'm a glutton for punishment. Goodbye, Mr. Kent. And there I was. 
Standing on the sidewalk, looking at the disappearing view of the nicest 13,000 square inches of woman you've ever seen. But I'm philosophical about things like that. Besides, I had a hunch I'd be meeting Moira again. Three hours later, my hunch came good. Larry Kent, private investigation. Moira Stanton, you met me at the GPO this morning. Yeah. I've been thinking about you. I've been thinking about you. Seriously? Very seriously. I'd like to see you, Mr. Kent. You just name the time and the place. I'll be there. My flat. Just as soon as you can get here? I didn't waste any time. I got her address, hung up, took the lift, got into my car, broke three traffic regulations, and was standing at her door in five minutes. She was waiting for me. Come in, Mr. Kent. Thanks. I took a look around. Nicely furnished apartment. Good pictures. Good books. Good scotch. Too much soda? Uh-uh. Just right. Here's to you, Moira. You're very good health. Nice place you've got here. It's comfortable. Mind if I turn on the wireless? No. The stage was being set for something. Soft music. A filmy sort of lounging robe. The scotch. Dim lights. And, of course, Moira. I figured I'd find out whether I was supposed to be a leading man or something else. So I moved over on the lounge. I'm very grateful for what you did this morning. Forget it. I... I'd like to repay you, Mr. Kent. Why be so formal? People who are close to me call me Larry. It seems that we're very close. Yeah. Closer all the time. Mr. Kent, I... Stop talking. Mm. Why did you do that? Because I eat my breakfast food, and because I figured I'd take advantage of the situation. Before I told that guy to come out from behind the curtain. <laughs> come on out. With your hands in the air. That's a good boy. What's your buddy's name, Moira? I'll tell you. Dennis. Oh. And a very nice name it is, too. Turn around. What are you going to do? Protect myself. To save you any trouble, the gun is in my right-hand pocket. Hmm. A forty-five. Did you intend to use it on me? It would have been in my hand if I had. You could have had your hand in your pocket. All right, what's it all about? We wanted you to help us. 
by posing as a target. Dennis wasn't going to shoot you. He stayed there to listen to our conversation. I didn't think you'd kiss me. You left yourself wide open for it. But suppose I hadn't kissed you. Then I would have asked for your assistance. In what capacity? We... we need someone we can trust. I'd say you don't trust anybody. We have to be very careful. Uh Uh-huh. Do you trust me now? Dennis? I think so, Morda. So what happens? I give you back your gun, relax, and then wait for someone to plug me. Oh, no thanks. Mr. Kent. No, I don't like the setup, sweetheart. I don't know what the score is, and I'm not interested in finding out. So I'll just keep the 45, walk backwards, and uh, say good night. Please listen to me, Mr. Kent. I didn't listen. It looked too much of like a frame job, so I hit the road. When a dame hides a guy with a 45 behind her living room curtains, I'd rather be sitting in a movie. That's just what I did. I went to a newsreel. Then I visited the office, looked at some bills, and went home for a shower. After that, I sat down with my address book. Who is it? Moira! I put away my address book. Felt for my thirty-two in its holster. In case Moira had an escort. And then I went to the door. Mr. Kent, Mr. Kent. Why the excitement? Come in. I had to see you. She was wearing a light coat that she hadn't bothered to button. Underneath was the same filmy thing she'd been wearing at her apartment. She must have left in a hurry. You must help me, Mr. Kent. Why? It's Dennis. What did he do? He's dead. When? A half hour ago. How did it happen? Someone shot him. Keep talking, Moira. After you left, Dennis and I talked things over. Finally, we decided to come to you and ask for help. With or without a gun? Mr. Kent, please. Okay, go on. I thought it would be best if we saw you here in your flat. So we waited till 6.30. Then I went into my bedroom to get some clothes. No sooner did I leave Dennis than... Someone came in through the front door... and shot him. Why? Because of the money. Money? Moira, if I'm going to help you, I've got to know everything. Okay? I intend to tell you everything. Good. Who was Dennis? My brother. Oh, what about the money? It belonged to my father. He he died three months ago. Did he give it to you? Yes. Well, then it's yours, isn't it? So why come to a private detective for help? The police force will give you all the protection you need. I can't go to the police. Why not? You see, Dad left a will, making my foster mother executor of his entire estate. And he changed his mind at the last minute. His mind was changed three years ago, when he found out what Angeline was. Angeline? Angeline Whiting. I could never force myself to call her mother. Oh, you didn't get along, huh? No. I tried... It wasn't difficult to see that she married Dad only for his money. Moira, why didn't he make out a new will? He couldn't. When he found out about Angeline, that added to business worries, led to a nervous breakdown. 
He spent the last years of his life in an asylum. Mentally unfit. Yes. Angeline couldn't get him there quickly enough. But he had his clear moments. The first time, he hid 30,000 pounds. And the second time? He told Dennis and I where he'd hidden it. I see. Does your foster mother know about it? She's probably guessed. Have you seen her lately? Not since... Not since Dad was buried. Come on, kid. We're going back to your apartment. Moira was all shaken up. I had to help her climb the stairs. Any other time, it would have been a very nice job. But the body of her brother was in the apartment. I don't know even now what I intended doing, but I wanted to look around first. The lights were on. Dennis was stretched on the carpet. And a committee was waiting for us. Come in. Both of you. Well, hello, Inspector. Take a chair, Moira. Are you Moira Stanton? Yes. How did it happen? She told him. Then the inspector looked at me. Where do you come into it, Kent? I told him. But neither Moira or I mentioned the money. Inspector Daniel scratched his nose, shook his head, and put a match to the end of his cigar. Then he got down to the business of really asking questions. And Moira told him something she hadn't mentioned to me. Last week, an attempt was made to kidnap Dennis. By whom? Two men. He didn't recognize them. They tried to force him into their car, but he struggled and managed to run away. Why wasn't it reported to the police? We should have reported it, I suppose. Uh, that's all right. No one ever cooperates with us. Inspector, are you going to keep this girl up all night? She's had an awful shock. Yeah. I'll get in touch with you tomorrow, Miss Stanton. Thank you. I... I couldn't stay here. My landlady has a spare room in her apartment. I'll phone her. Thank you. Even landladies have hearts. Mine said okay. <laughs> and then she added that she'd put it on, on my rent bill. Moira picked up some clothes and I took her with me. We said goodnight at the door. You're putting a lot of faith and trust in me. I don't think I'm taking a chance. Should we have told the police about the money? We should have, and we will. But first, we'll wait for somebody to make a move. Thirty thousand quid is a lot of potatoes. And there were undoubtedly some characters in town itching to dig it up. In the morning, there was a call from Inspector Daniels. He wanted to ask Moira some questions again. I drove her to headquarters and recommended that she stall and play dumb. That wasn't exactly cooperating with the boys in blue, but, well, they don't always use their imagination. I went to my office and sat there for an hour or so, and then 
Good morning. Two characters walked in. They were well-dressed and smiling. The more talkative one of the two made the introductions. My name is Tom Ellis, and this is my partner, Bob Allen. Hello. What can I do for you, gentlemen? You take cases the police won't handle, don't you? Sometimes. But it's according to why the cops won't touch the case. Oh, there's nothing illegal about this. You see... He started talking. It was a good story. Ellis and Allen were supposed to be business partners. It seemed that one of their employees was typing on the cash register and they wanted to catch him without any police action. I listened. The guy was such a good talker that I was completely taken in. If we find that the man we suspect is guilty, we'll discharge him and let it go at that, see? Mm Mm-hmm. I got out of my chair and walked to the window. It was a big mistake. Grab his arm. Go ahead. Take it easy. Okay. Bob, uh, which isn't my friend's real name, by the way, was once a champion weightlifter, Kent. And he wasn't kidding. I couldn't move my arms. See? It doesn't pay to struggle. What do you want? The 30,000 pounds. Outside of a bank, I've never seen 30,000. The girl came to you. She either gave it to you or told you where it is. Moira? You know I mean, Moira. She never told me about any 30,000 pounds. Hold him very still, Bob. I've got him. Where is it? You're wasting your time. What did she do with the money? How many times do I have to tell you that I... Let go of his arms, the door. Can't I? Ah, I didn't know you were busy. Well, come right in, Inspector. Yes, come in. We were just leaving. Don't let them out, Inspector. What? They're standover men. Standover men? What's all this about? Kent here is a very bad loser, Inspector. He doesn't like to play his poker debts. Don't listen to them, Inspector. It's two against one, Kent. Search us if you like, Inspector. Daniels accepted the invitation. They didn't have anything on them that even resembled a weapon. Smart boys. I had to stand there and watch them leave. Still, I was very glad the Inspector walked in when he did. I could almost hear the wheels churning in his brain. If... If they're standover men, why are they here? They had an idea that I could give them some information. On what? On some racetrack deal. Why did you come here? Because I'm not satisfied that you've told me all you know about that murder case. (laughs) Everybody I meet this morning thinks I'm holding back information. It wouldn't be the first time. No. But one of these days, Kent, it'll be the last time. I'll remember that.
After exchanging a few more pleasantries with my old buddy, I drove to headquarters where I'd told Moira to wait for me. Then I took her to lunch and for a ride in the country. Why this, Larry? It's obvious. I want to talk. About the money, of course. Uh-huh. Say, you called me by my first name. Did I? Yeah. Uh, but we'll get onto that later. Right now, let's talk. All right. Where did you put the money? In my safety deposit box at the bank. Has your foster mother complained about 30,000 missing from your father's estate? No. But I'm sure she knows it's missing. From what I can make out, she's not the type to let 30 grand slip away. It's one thing I can't understand. I can. Larry. Yeah? I think a car is following us. I'm sure I noticed it just behind as we left the city. So did I, sweetheart. Keep looking ahead. Larry. Hold on to your hat, Moira. What are you going to do? I'm going to see if this thing can hit 80. Aha, uh -huh, they're increasing speed, too. 70? 75? If I remember right, there's a dirt road on the left ahead somewhere. Yeah, we're coming to it now. Get ready for it, Moira. If they're not, they'll never make it. Here it goes. They almost made it, but not quite. Their car turned over about three times. Two men were inside. I pulled them out. They were the guys who'd visited my office. One was dead. The other, who'd call himself Ellis, was very close to it. A motorcycle cop arrived, then an ambulance. Moira and I ended up at police headquarters where we told Inspector Daniels the whole story. He made the usual remarks. If I want to, Kent, I can get you for withholding information on at least two other counts. But before he could go any further... Inspector Daniel speaking. Yes, Murphy. What? Oh. I see He did, eh? Mm -hmm. hmm. Thanks, Murphy. Well, Miss Stanton, it looks as though you'll eventually get to keep that 30,000 pounds. What happened? Did Alice talk, Inspector? Yes, just before he died. But his name wasn't Ellis. It was John Cartwright. Cartwright. Dad mentioned that name. It seems that he was, uh, well, very friendly with your foster mother. So friendly that he was willing to kill for her. And for 30,000 pounds. But where did the other guy come into it? Uh, he was just a small-time hoodlum hired by Cartwright. Uh-huh. Where do you go from here, Inspector? Well, my next move is Angeline Stanton. I'll arrange for a warrant right now. But Angeline Stanton wasn't available when the cops arrived at her place. She must have been psychic. Moira turned the 30,000 pounds over to the authorities and was told she'd get it back in a short while. 
And me? Well, I stayed close to Moira. First, because I liked her. Second, because her foster mother hadn't been caught. We wondered where she was. But one night in Moira's apartment, we stopped wondering. Don't move. Don't move! We didn't. She had a gun in her hand. Her dress was filthy. Her hair hung lankly over her face. Her eyes blazed. Angela. Yes. Surprised to see me, aren't you? What do you want? What do you think I want? The money. I've given it to the authorities. I want the money, Moira. Before your father died, he ranted and raved. He laughed at me. He said that you and Dennis had the money and that I'd never see it. Well, now Dennis will never see it. I want the money. You're... You're mad. I want the money. Get it for her. Who are you? That doesn't matter. Go to the desk drawer and get the money, Moira. Yes, and remember that I have a gun. When I said desk drawer, Moira understood. There was a thirty-two in it. A gun I'd placed there for her protection. Angeline kept looking at me, watching my every move. I relaxed my arms. Keep your hands up. Sure. No tricks, whoever you are. She concentrated on me, pointed the gun in my direction. Meanwhile, Moira was at the desk. She pulled out the drawer. Then she had the gun in her hand. Angeline! Angeline swung a gun towards Moira. I saw that just as I died for her legs. Her shots were as wild as she was. Let me go! Let me go! I'll kill you! Let me go! I'll kill you! I'll kill you! But her killing days were over. We tied her up. The cops came and took her away, and she ended up in a straitjacket. She'll spend the rest of her life in a room with padded walls, first talking quietly and then screaming, but always about 30,000 pounds. But Moira? Now there's a dame who's going to enjoy her money. I want you to help me spend some of it, Mary. Sure. What will we do? You tell me. Well, we can go somewhere. For instance? Well, to... To, uh... To, um... Where, Larry? And, um... What can we do? <laughs> you know something? The things I thought of that we could do didn't cost a penny. Good night. Welcome back. So they set another scene at the GPO building in Sydney. It makes me wonder whether it was very common for people to hang out there in 1950 or whether they're just touting this being a locally made program from local scripts. The name Moira is actually the based on the Irish name that is the equivalent of Mary. I'm not certain how popular a name that is in Australia, but it's pretty distinctive and certainly not one we've heard elsewhere in old-time radio. Larry Kent's descriptions continue to be amazing. 
in all the wrong ways. Uh, one thing I really found myself wondering about was his description of her as 13,000 square inches. I thought that this was like some scientific uh, fact for the square inches of a human being. But I checked, and apparently everything I can find says that the skin area of a human being is 4,800 inches. On average, obviously, you know, vary from person to person. So I'm wondering where the writers got 13,000. This story does have a habit of telling us things that we don't necessarily care all that much about. Like when Larry put down his black book before someone entered. I mean, I, I was anyone sitting there wondering, oh, okay, but what's going to happen to his black book? And then you had the criminal mention that the name of his muscle is not Bob, even though he was calling him Bob. And that's one of those lines you expect to pay off somehow, like by us learning his actual name. But no, we don't just stated that he's essentially an average hood. It's not even stated that he's an average hood whose name is not Bob. At any rate, though, we turn to listener comments and feedback, and uh, we have a comment from Eileen uh, regarding episode 19. Uh, I'd love to hear a fingerprint stick to shell casings. You have to push the bullets into the clip or into the chamber of the revolver, and I've often wondered if the cops just don't mention that as evidence to keep catching crooks, uh, that they just say fingerprints were found on the gun. I hope an expert does weigh in on your question, Adam. Well, thanks so much, Eileen. Uh, of course, this was from YouTube, which is around four weeks behind... Uh, the podcast at this point, and I've not heard anything, but uh, since Eileen was interested in the question, I'm just re-upping it for any firearms expert. And if you're not a firearms expert, if you could explain the whole 13,000 square inches thing, I'd love that too. Now, it is time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Christine, Patreon supporter since November 2018, currently supporting us at the shameless level of $4 or more per month. Thanks so much for your support, Christine. And that will actually uh, do it for today. I do encourage you to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. You can subscribe with your favorite podcast software, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or the Amazon Music app at amazon.com slash otrdetectives. If you are enjoying this on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of I Hate Crime, but coming up tomorrow, listen in for Dangerous Assignment where... Hey, brother, this makes Alcatraz look like a country club. Now, here is the cell on the third floor where Sorensen is imprisoned. On the floor directly below is the courtroom where his trial is being held. Yeah, and here's the nearest outside door on the ground floor below the courtroom. Yes, at five o'clock this afternoon, there will be a truck outside the door, but it can only stay there for three minutes. The trial will continue all afternoon. If you and Sorensen can get to that door around five, you can make your escape in that truck. Well, you've told me how to get out of the place, but you've omitted a couple of small details, like how am I going to get into the place? And how am I going to slip this pill to Sorensen? How you give him the pill will have to be up to you, Mitchell. 
But this camera and these forged identification papers identify you as an employee of World Photos, and you will be given admittance to the trial. I see. Uh, look, have you any idea what... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.